Absolutely amazing. So I am seriously so excited for today's topic, today's call slash we're also going to share this on the Happy Bod Squad pod, but I have the wonderful, the amazing Coach Rio co-hosting tonight's Mindset Monday, because if you guys don't know this, Rio is a bit of an education junkie. She likes to learn things. (laughs) One of her more recent credentials certifications that she went through was a sleep stress and recovery certification through precision nutrition. And she is just, I would say that you're really passionate about sleep. I mean, what what would you say, Rio? I've become passionate because (laughs) I've talked so much about it. No, actually I, I think sleep and stress management, body recovery, part of the reason why I got the specializations in the first place, because they are critical uh, game players in the whole, like just holistic health, right. Um, you know, game, I guess you could say. And so it's also a few, um, a few areas that gets overlooked really easily or gets downplayed as far as the importance. And so I just felt really inspired because I felt I started to see a lot of clients struggle in these areas without record and not addressing them without recognizing how um, much of an impact addressing your sleep, addressing your stress, right? Taking time to allow your body to recover, how important those things are when it comes to not even just like a weight loss journey, but like just a holistic health journey, you know, in general. Exactly. Because I get so frustrated when I see posts. I feel like every single day I see a post on Instagram or TikTok or whatever the heck that's like, you know, weight loss is so simple. It's so easy. It's just calories in versus calories out. And they neglect to address so many, so many incredibly important factors when it comes to our overall image of our overall health. And yes, you know, part of weight loss and part of your health is the calories in calories out, but sleep and stress play such significant roles. And I'm so excited to kind of dive into that. And so for you, like, you know, why are we talking about sleep? Why is prioritizing this part so important? Something that we do every single day, like why even have a series where we talk about this? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, because it's a very sought after topic here in the- <laughs> <laughs> lately. <laughs> So I've been able to um, talk with a lot of you or a few of you about sleep. You guys come to my office hour, you message me. And so I'm able to kind of give you guys some tips and things like that, but it can get so much deeper. And so I wanted to take some time to really dig into some tips that could truly help you all. Um, And, and like, and because like I said, you know, we teach here a holistic health, you know, and sleep is one of the most important elements when it comes to holistic health. And so I want to kind of just like put some things into perspective when you think about like, if we take a second to kind of think outside of ourselves and outside of like our particular goals, when you think about like how sleep is viewed in America, right? Um, There have been a lot of major disasters in American history, anything from like accidental explosions to oil spills, right? To plane and train crashes that all were after investigated were linked to human error due to sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. And so most of most of my learning has come from like board certified sleep doctors. And every, every time, like I learned from one of them, all of them, I can tell you one thing, if you were to ever tell like a sleep doctor, like, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead or, oh, I'll just pull it uh-huh. on and do this thing. They might actually kill over because that's why like 
there's so many accidents that have happened just due to simple like sleep deprivation. And so, you know, when it comes to the stats, right, the stats are there, right? So mm-hmm. even something as simple as like car accidents, right? Yep. I, I haven't checked this stat in a while, but the last time I checked, um, sleep, what drowsy driving is what they call it, accounts mm-hmm. for about 1 million car crashes per year. And wow. so there have even been like, I've come across studies as well, where they have actually tested how driving uh, drowsy is just as detrimental, if not more than driving tipsy behind the wheel. So Mm -hmm. this is just kind of like scratching the surface on how like lack of sleep can kind of externally affect yourself and even others, if you're not careful. Right. Um, and there's obviously this piece of how it affects your physical body as well, that we're obviously going to get into. Right. And again, this is the kind of thing that people aren't really talking about and sharing, right? Like there's so, we talk about drunk driving, driving under the influence, but we don't talk about sleep deprivation. I've heard the exact same thing. I have a friend who was in a sleep deprivation related accident. He literally fell asleep driving home from work one day, veered off the side of the freeway, hit one of those, like the big road signs, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, and woke up after the accident had already occurred, right? It's absolutely terrifying. And I'll never forget when I first learned about the study that had to do with daylight savings and the risk of cardiac arrest. And so I pulled it up because I just wanted to make sure I had the numbers right. So there was a study in Michigan where they found a 24% increase in heart attacks the Monday after the spring switch to daylight savings, where we lose an hour of sleep compared with a 21% reduction in heart attacks, the Tuesday after the fall time change, where we gain an additional hour of sleep. So literally one less hour led to a 25% increase Mm -hmm. and one extra hour led to a 21% decrease, which is just like crazy that sleep isn't something that we talk about more often, right? Even Martina wrote in the chat as a flight attendant, girls deploying slide wraps on normal landing because of sleep deprivation. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) right? Um, and I mean, you hear this all the time about doctors, nurses, right. Being working these crazy hours and then making these medical accidents that otherwise could have potentially been avoided if the hospital gave them more reasonable hours. Right. Cause it's not like our doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals are choosing to work 60, 80, 90 hours a week. And yet it still happens every single day. And so you know, sleep is one of those things that we're spending 33% of our life doing. And what is it that is actually going on in the body while we are sleeping? Yeah. Um, so regarding what's going on in the body, it's kind of important to understand that we're not just combating sleepiness when we're, we're prioritizing sleep or restoring energy, even, um, Mm -hmm. lack of sleep actually severely affects your immune system as well, your hormonal regulation, and also again, your body recovery. So first of all, like when it comes to recovery, we'll start there. 
um, recovery is not just for your muscles, right, but also for your brain. So it's important to know that while you're resting and sleeping, this is quite literally the only time that your body recovers and heals and gets better in the optimized way it is actually needed. So it's the only time your brain actually like does a reset and kind of gets a chance to kind of clear out and categorize memories and events. And it's the time your organs and muscles kind of get a chance to do their thing as well without like the physical demand that we place on it with like throughout the day. And mm -hmm. so then your hormones, right? Sleep is intended to aid in the regulation of your hormones. And so some very specific important hormones that it regulates include your hunger hormones, your growth hormones, and your stress hormones. And these as well are some major players when it comes to getting to and maintaining a healthy weight as well. So that's from a recovery standpoint. Now, from an immune system standpoint, you have cells in your body that are basically responsible for basically like responding to attacks. Um, yeah. So like pathogens, viruses, bad bacteria, anything that kind of like will attack your physical health. Mm -hmm. So when the effects of restricted sleep was studied actually on this, the conclusion was actually reached that if you restricted your sleep to four hours for just one night, one single night, the effectiveness of those immunity cells dropped by 70%. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it, it's pretty high. And so this can also apply for over a period of time as well. So if you're someone who has acquired a lot of sleep debt, um, besides just obvious feelings of like chronic fatigue, low energy, you can experience like low physical performance, of course, low yeah. mental performance as well. Mm -hmm. um, and this feeling of like, I'm always getting sick or I'm always catching something, right? I can never seem to get better. Um, yeah. Your sleep is a huge part of that or your lack of sleep is a huge part of that. Yeah. And I want to call out something that you just shared because you and I know what sleep debt is, but our clients might not actually know. Can you define that for everyone else? Yes. So speak, so speaking of sleep debt, yeah, I do want to talk about this because um, I've explained to some of you all uh, before that have like asked me about sleep. So um, sleep debt is this concept. It's just like any other debt, right? So if you rack it up, you have to pay it back. So if you have been consistently getting one hour less of sleep for like, let's say the last five days, that means you have five hours of sleep debt that you need to pay back to your body. It doesn't just go away. So another thing that a sleep doctor taught me, and this one is actually surprising to most people, he said that it's a huge misconception that there's a such thing as too much sleep. Um, and yeah, cause like, sure, like eight hours is arguably like the sweet spot. Right. But like, depending on how life has been treating you, um, you might need 10 hours for a couple of days to make up some sleep debt. Right. And like, Cause think about like how many of you guys know somebody who knows somebody that has convinced themselves that they can operate off of just like five or six hours of sleep, or maybe you are that somebody, right? Okay. Okay. Right. So well, I know so lots of people. I cannot function. <laughs> five, six. When people tell me that they function off five, six hours. I'm like, y'all are crazy. Well, and that's the thing, right? So we are, people are truly convinced because they're so used to it. But here's the thing that I want to tell you about that, right? You, you at, after a period of time of doing something, right, you're getting used to only having five or six hours of sleep, you go through something that's called adaptation. Um, and in a lot of instances, adaptation is good for the body, right? Um, but not so much when it comes to lack of sleep, right? So mm -hmm. The body is so fascinating. Um, this is what makes it easy to be like a nerd about the body. And I know the coaches agree with me on this. So the, our bodies are very smart. 
And just to let you guys know, our bodies spend a good amount of time keeping us from killing ourselves. So we may not like how our body does it, but our body spends a good amount of time, like saving our little sorry asses from like killing ourselves all the time. And so that's kind of, I, I kind of like think of it like my dog. I feel like I spend half the day, like keeping my dog from killing himself. It's crazy. That's how our bodies are. Right. And so anyways, after a period of time, right, certain behaviors that you like exhibit consistently, your body adapts to those behaviors from an energy standpoint. So if you're someone who is consistently getting only five to six hours of sleep, your body starts to adapt to that to keep you from literally overworking yourself and just randomly killing over one day. So how it does that, it starts to slow down systems and it starts to shut shit down. So this as well includes your metabolism and includes your brain function your organs and any other systems in the body, they start to operate basically at like an overall lower level of like efficiency. So your body is no longer optimally like regulating itself essentially, right? So in our cute little brains, we think we're doing great, right? Because we feel fine. We're killing it. Like I'm, I'm surviving off of these five hours. And it's because I've been doing it for so long, but it's really because our bodies are down-regulating their processes to keep you alive. Um, so too long of doing this, we start to like feel like it's normal. You know what I mean? And you guys, I've had so many clients tell me like after they've prioritize their sleep. And of course, exercising more, eating well, they just started to feel better. And it, it, it was very surprising because when you get so used to feeling a certain way, even if it's at a lower level, you you forget that it's not normal. Um, so anyways, don't take my word for this. I wanted to share a little bit of a study with you guys about this. Um, there was a, they did a study where they did an MRI scan on participants to monitor their brain activity underneath sleep deprivation. And so they actually found that it puts your brain at a 40% deficit in ability to make new memories when you're sleep deprived. And so they looked at the hippocampus, which specifically that specific part of the brain is like your information inbox. Um, and so basically those brain signals were basically not signaling. And so I like to use like the brain as I like to use like a sponge as an analogy for the brain, right? So we've all heard that saying like, you know, you soak things up like a sponge. Um, it's kind of like, that's how you want to really like literally think of your brain. So th the, the concept is you soak things up like a sponge, but accept what happens when the sponge gets waterlogged, right? It can't soak up anything else, yeah. right? Water just kind of drips right back out. And that's what happens with your memories. If you're not getting sleep, if you're not allowing your brain that time to decompress and categorize and do what it needs to do, it, it there's only so much that it can take. Um, so sleep is like, the blow dryer to your brain, I guess you could say. <laughs> the blow dryer, the ringing out. You know, Rio, I knew that you would just bring in some sort of dish sponge reference in our podcast. <laughs> triggered, right? You feel a little triggered? <laughs> I feel a little triggered. Rio's biggest pet peeve is like a wet dish sponge at the bottom of a kitchen sink, or was it the dirty dishes and Martina was the dish sponge? Yeah. Martina yeah. hates the dish sponge at the bottom of the sink. Rio hates the dirty dishes uh, <laughs> that are saved till the end of the day or the next morning, but I would not touch it. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and the 40% statistic kind of blows my mind to have a 40% decreased functionality of forming new memories is pretty unbelievable. Like I, I feel like I need to give weight to that statement. 
and that statistic, because how many times have we forgotten something and almost like beat ourselves up for it? Being like, oh, I must not just have the memory that I used to have, or maybe I'm just not that smart, or I'm not that capable, or I'm not this, I'm not that, that, whatever it is. But if you're literally not setting yourself up for a life of high quality sleep, well, of course your body isn't functioning properly. Of course, you're not making progress on the things that you need to be making progress on. And I also loved what you shared about a lot of times we begin to adapt Mm-hmm. right to having the four or five, six hours of sleep, but we're not actually adapting. Your body is just giving up certain aspects and functionality. It's basically compromising with you. And I totally get it, right? Sometimes we do have these seasons of life where we're just naturally going to get less sleep, right? A new mom is going to sleep less than someone who doesn't have children or someone working healthcare shifts where they're 12 hours on, 12 hours off. Their sleep is going to get a little bit disrupted, but really prioritizing paying back your sleep debt is super important. If you guys don't already know this, Coach Martina was an international flight attendant taking these super long 14, sometimes 15, 16 hour flights. And I think, Martina, what was the longest time you ever paid back a sleep debt? You slept for like 21 straight hours or something? Yeah, I think like 22 hours, like totally sleeping just without waking up. And I full on didn't even know like, is it day? Is it night? Where I am? Who I am? And then actually after I quit that job, it took me two months off like regular sleep every night of like getting nine or 10 hours to start feeling like myself again and not feel like I need caffeine to survive the day. So just to your point where you're like, we kind of like get used to it. And then you're almost like discover a new world of like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to be feeling. Exactly. Oh my gosh. This is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. No is too much sleep. <laughs> yeah. No sleep is too much sleep, but the type of sleep that we're getting is so not only is the hours of sleep important, but the type of sleep that we're getting, right? Because eight hours of low quality sleep versus six, seven hours of high quality sleep are going to make you feel different ways. And so can you go over with us the different types of sleep and the cycles that we sort of go through over the course of an evening? Yeah. 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 So you have, everyone has heard of like sleep cycles, usually to at least a small degree. Um, So there's three main stages of non-REM sleep, and then you have one stage of REM sleep and REM is rapid eye movement. So in REM one is basically a transitional period between wakefulness and sleep. Um, So that's super basic. Um, N2 is going to be the stage that we spend about 50% of our sleep time in. Um, So this is when your body temperature drops, which is what helps keep you asleep. And then you're becoming also less aware of your surroundings. So this stage is where your brain starts to produce the sleep spindles and sleep spindles actually play an extremely important role in memory consolidation. Um, So this is why I was saying that your brain needs this, right? So this stage is very important for that memory consolidation. So and I've explained, I think, to this to some of you all before. Um, so when you're sleep deprived, that's why I was saying your short term memory suffers because and you can experience that brain fog because you're really kind of um, you're kind of 
uh, intercepting those those uh, sleep spindles from doing their thing, basically. Um, so that's N2. Now N3 is another transitional period. So this one is going to be from light sleep to deep sleep. That's that transition there. And then your last is going to be your stage four. That's going to be your REM sleep. And so this is the other piece that's important for memory consolidation. This is where you dream, right? And your brain activity actually spikes. It looks very similar to your brain activity um, how your brain activity looks like during waking hours. So basically we cycle through these stages, not in any particular order, but we cycle through them several times throughout the night. And if these cycles get interrupted before they complete, you experience something called sleep inertia. Um, and so this is when you wake up not feeling refreshed, still feeling groggy, disoriented even, right? Maybe like you mentioned, Jen, you got eight hours of sleep, but maybe you still feel sleepy. Maybe you don't feel rested, right? Martina just attested to this, right? So that's kind of like a, a overall, an overview of the, the sleep cycles. Yeah. And I really appreciate the explanation because again, we talk a lot about sleep, but we don't talk about the types of sleep or the quality of the sleep that we are getting. And, you know, a really common follow-up question, um, that I've gotten from clients is like, well, how do you know what type of sleep you're getting? Or how do you track your different sleep cycles? So, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure if you have an Apple watch, it will somewhat track your sleep cycles. It'll just base it off of your movement and like your micro twitches. For some people wearing an Apple watch might feel super uncomfortable. I have an aura ring. Um, I've had it for a few years now. I really enjoy it. Um, I'm not like, we don't partner with them by any means, but if sleep is something that you're really curious about, what I love about the aura ring is it'll track your sleep cycle throughout the night and it'll start to notice trends. So for me personally, sleep is something that I have struggled with on and off my entire life. I remember talking about this on the open coaches panel a few weeks ago saying when I was 10 years old, the doctors told my parents that they thought maybe I had insomnia because I was sleeping so poorly for a 10 year old. And so this has been an ongoing struggle of these different phases and having the aura ring, right? in no way, shape or form improves the quality of my sleep. So please don't think that buying this ring is going to fix your sleep problems, but it gives me really valuable data points in terms of tracking trends when it comes to my sleep. So for example, I can see if I take certain supplements, right? That next night, I might get the same number of hours of sleep, but I might have more or less REM, or I can see if the room was a certain temperature and my body was a certain temperature, I got more or less deep sleeps. And so that information just kind of gives you feedback on different things that you can almost like experiment with in terms of the quality of your sleep and the different things that are happening. And so when it comes to what the people really came here for the tips, right? Not just the education and the understanding, but really the things that we can implement. So coach Rio has outlined like the three most common <laughs> questions that we get in regards to sleep. But ladies, this is also your opportunity to popcorn and ask us some questions as well. So while coach Rio and I discuss our top three questions regarding sleep, I just want you to drop any questions in the chat that you may specifically have when it comes to sleep, sleep cycles, sleep rhythm, sleep supplements, like all the different possible sleep related questions that you have. And we will get to those as we uh, trickle down our top three. So with that being said, 
Coach Rio. Question number one is getting to sleep. How does a client who's like struggling with falling asleep on a consistent basis even just start that process to fall asleep? Yeah, that's probably the top question. Um, but before I get into that, actually, a quick disclaimer. Oh. I would like to go ahead and just actually mention, now that I think about it, if you're someone who suffers from a um, diagnosed sleep disorder, like insomnia or severe sleep apnea or something, these tips alone may not be helpful enough. And you'll want to follow some specific instructions from your physician or your sleep doctor. Um, but for just average, you know, day-to-day, you know, trying to get some better sleep, totally try these things. Um, and so yes, the tips that I want to give you, I want to start with how to get to sleep. Um, and in doing that, I first want to address probably some things you should avoid doing or engaging in before you actually get to sleep. Um, so I always say, actually, when I speak about sleep, you want to be very particular about what you expose yourself to right before bed. So this, because this not this absolutely not only affects how fast you get to sleep, but the last thing on your mind also contributes to the quality of your sleep and your dreams as well. So a few things I would recommend and avoiding before getting to sleep is addressing work or personal issues that you may be currently experiencing and engaging in anything that will inspire negative emotions right before bed. You mm-hmm. want to have a time and a place before you know, to address those things. And I just recommend not doing it right before you go to sleep. Um, The next thing a lot of people do not like when I say this, but try to avoid falling asleep watching TV. Um, Definitely do not watch TV in bed. Sorry, don't do it. (laughs) But if you're, but if you are like, let's say still in the living room or something and you're watching TV, a movie before you hit the bed, fine. Also be conscious of what that is as well, right? So for some of us, like scary movies and crime documentaries are probably not the best to watch right before bed. Just saying, okay? Do what you want, but I'm just recommending. Okay, so now the tips on ways of getting to sleep again, especially for someone who has a hard time falling asleep, I want to talk to you guys about a nighttime wind down routine and also possibly some sleep exercises. So um, most of you guys already know this one. If you've ever heard me talk anything about sleep, I always recommend to have a sleep promoting nighttime routine. So it's, it's an obviously not just a good idea to help you relax, but I recommend this because sleeping itself is an actual physiological process in the body. So we're heavily depending on your brain itself to start like this wind down period. So those serotonin chemicals can effectively turn into melatonin while your body decreases your cortisol levels. That's what keeps you awake. So anything that doesn't require screen use will be nice to engage in. So reading a book, taking a hot bath, turning on some aromatherapy, maybe listening to some meditative sounds or music, et cetera. Just make sure it's something that you will enjoy thoroughly and also relax to. So try to avoid having a nighttime routine that is just a list of chores. Like by all means, do the things you need to do at night to get prepared for the next day and have a cutoff time for that and have a time to where you transition into sleep promoting activities. Um, And then so once you're in bed, or even if you want to do this before bed, I recommend this to my clients all the time, and I've heard nothing but good feedback, I recommend to do a brain dump before bed. Um, Mm -hmm. So take a journal, or even if it's just a sheet of paper, and write out all of the things that are swirling around in your head in that very moment. So when it comes to brain dumping, this doesn't need to be like 
this elaborate or fine-tuned piece of art that you're writing, right? It can be complete sentences. It can be incomplete sentences. It can be single words. It could be images. Anything that pops in your head, just write it down because you're not telling a story here. You're just getting out as much as possible so you can allow your brain to alleviate some pressure by saying like basically, hey brain, you don't have to worry about all of these thoughts right now. I'm putting them in a safe place that we can come back to later. And then you can, right? You can go back to it later during a pro appropriate time, um, just not right before bed. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing that you can do is the breathing is uh, some breathing exercises. So this one is a four to eight. There's different variations basically, but essentially you're inhaling for four counts, holding it for two counts, and then exhaling for eight counts. So the idea is that you are releasing more than you're taking in. Right. And so this method actually shows to calm your mind and calm your nervous systems as well um, and kind of activate more of that parasympathetic nervous system so you can get to bed a little bit better. Um, and then the last exercise that you can try, um, it's called cognitive shuffle. And so essentially you start with a word you, bedtime, start with the word bedtime. Right. Think of that word and then you go through each letter in the word. So you start with the letter B. Right. And then you think of as many objects as you can that begin with the letter B. Once you run out of objects, move on to the letter E. Right. Think of as many objects that begin with the letter E. Right. Et cetera. So on. Move on to D, T, et cetera. Um, so try those things to help you get to bed. What is that called? Cognitive shuffle? Yeah. It's I've never heard of this. <laughs> I, so, I mean, that's such a cool idea because. You know, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but for me, by the time I get to bed, rest my head on the pillow and start even thinking about considering falling asleep, I kind of run through my entire day before giving myself that permission slip to fall asleep. I think about the conversations that I had. I think about the to-do list items, like the tasks added to my to-do list, all the things I have to do tomorrow. Like um, I start thinking about all the different things that have to get done tomorrow, the next day, the week after. And, you know, sometimes it feels good to just kind of run through the day. How was the day doing a mental check-in? And sometimes it turns into this mental to-do list of, oh my gosh, I need to make sure I remember this. What if I'm sleep deprived? Then I'm only going to remember 60% of these things that are super important for me. And it can be a really stressful experience. So I can definitely vouch and attest to the end of day brain dump. I'm just, okay, here's all the things that I need to take up tomorrow. Let me put it on a piece of paper so I don't have to keep reeling in them and soaking in them and letting them quite literally rob me of my sleep that I'm trying to get right now. And I can absolutely see the value in the cognitive shuffle exercise. I'm like, what is the name of that? I'm um, like, what is the percentage of which my brain is retaining information right now on this call? Right. <laughs> um, because I don't know if anyone else can relate to this either, but have you ever been in a situation where you're super tired, but you can't fall asleep and then you start to get so angry and frustrated that you're not falling asleep, that you now can't fall asleep because you're so angry and frustrated and annoyed. I saw Kelsey give this big nod. See, Kelsey, we're one in the same. <laughs> then you keep looking at the clock, right? And see like how much time you have left before your alarm goes off. And then it's just like, yes, 
Yeah. I've totally been there. Like I've actually had situations where I was literally laying in bed crying because I couldn't fall asleep. And I knew I was going to be so tired the next day. And I was just like, so upset and so frustrated with myself. And I can totally see the benefit of having just this simple thing to distract yourself. Right. Cause you're really spiraling and now it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and now you're getting emotional and now you're getting frustrated and all these different things. So I'm glad that you gave different examples of different ways, right. That we can begin to build and strengthen that muscle of falling asleep. And so Question number one, right, is just getting to sleep. But what about for the client who can fall asleep but has a really tough time staying asleep? Yeah. So for staying asleep, your environment and nutrition actually are going to be big factors for this. So nutrition is going to be pretty brief. Um, having balanced meals throughout the day will actually help you sleep better overall. Um, just try to avoid being overly full or have eaten something extremely heavy and then you go straight to sleep. Um, but it actually has been proven that light pre-bedtime snacks have actually found to be helpful with improving sleep quality. So definitely don't ever go to bed hungry either. Um, even if it's something small that you have, like, please have something, um, that whole, like not eating after a certain time, like really gets taken out of context sometimes. So definitely avoid, you know, like trying not to eat after six or something. It doesn't really benefit you in that way. Um, and then, um, the next thing I want to address regarding nutrition is caffeine and alcohol. Please don't shoot the messenger. I'm just here to give you the info. Okay. <laughs> so the rule of thumb, good rule of thumb is to try to stay away from caffeine in the afternoons and especially in the evening. And the reason being is because it takes about up to six hours for just half of the caffeine to metabolize and leave your body. Um, so if you're having like coffees all day, um, your cortisol levels are really high guys. And so you're really messing up like that whole transition of cortisol going down, melatonin coming up. Um, and like, it, it's really easy to get sucked into because especially if you're a coffee drinker or you like teas or whatever the case is after so, so long of doing that, you feel like the caffeine isn't affecting you, right? It's not waking you up or whatever the case is. You have to remember, it's not just about that. It's about like how it's affecting the systems in your body. So whether you feel like it's, it's helping you stay awake or not after so long of doing it, it's still affecting your cortisol and melatonin levels regardless regardless. Um, so that's the first one. And then the second one is alcohol. Okay. So mm -hmm. alcohol is very similar. Actually, we, it takes a long time for us to process alcohol in the body. Hence why we get drunk when we drink so much of it, because we don't digest it fast enough for it to not affect us. And so sometimes people very often, um, use alcohol to get to sleep. Um, but alcohol is actually proven to be a disruptor while you're sleeping, it disrupts your sleep cycles when your body actually starts to digest and process it. So while it can help you get to sleep because it kind of gives you like that lethargic effect, once your body catches up and it starts processing however many ounces you've had, it disrupts your sleep cycle. So you probably want to avoid those things, you know, right before bed or try to time them, you know, a little bit better. Just try to, yeah. Anyways. Okay. So environment. All right. So environment, this one is big. This specifically helps you stay asleep. Okay. So your body works off of circadian rhythms, right? Some of you guys have heard me talk about this and your circadian rhythms is basically like it simulates like the sunrise and the sunset right? So your, your home or your sleep environment should mimic the sunrise and the sunset as well. Um, mm -hmm. so if you have like tons of bright lights on, right. White lights specifically as well should try to avoid that a little bit. 
um, this will be a good time to kind of take advantage of like if you have dimmable lights, try to use the dimmable lights as the sun starts to set as the evening starts to come in, or even just utilize your your bulbs that like the like the soft yellow hue bulbs. Um, you can even turn your phone's uh, settings like display to night mode. So it yeah. kind of like removes that blue light from your screen. Um, and then maybe you can even use candles, you know, to supplement some light in your house. So you don't have to use all of the lights, but you can light some candles in the evening, really, again, just to simulate that sunset in your home. And then at some point, it really does just need to be lights completely out. Um, you want to keep your space as dark as possible while you're sleeping. So Blackout curtains are a lifesaver um, if you have a hard time, you know, staying asleep, especially shift workers. It's super important to make sure like your environment is as quiet and as dark as possible. So even if you need to wear earplugs, even if you need to do like the little eye masks or whatever the case is, um, because when you work those kind of off hours, you want to do your best to get your body back on track with its natural circadian rhythm. So you create your sleep environment to kind of mimic that as much as you can. Um, and then your sleeping space should not be too warm or too hot. Um, so you guys know, like, you know, you guys know why, like the mattress companies, they like promote all this cooling technology in their mattresses. You guys have seen that, right? Um, and it's because your body temperature actually needs to drop and stay dropped in order for you to sleep properly throughout the night and reduce the risk of one of your sleep cycles getting disrupted. So like cooling mattresses, beds, sheets, pillows, try to use those as much as you can. And then obviously, in the obvious, like at the very least, try to make sure you're sleeping on a really quality mattress to be quite honest, just in general, it makes more of a difference than you think. Um, and then so speak, so the temperature, so going back to temperature, the actual temperature in your sleeping environment, the optimal range should be anywhere from 65 to 70 degrees. Um, so I believe that's 18 to 23 Celsius. If I did my math right, Alana, I don't know. Um, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Whoever uses Celsius, hopefully that's right. Um, so 65, 70 degrees. I think that's kind of cold, but to be quite honest, it's true. If you change your temperature to drop it a little bit, you'll actually start to feel a little sleepier as well. You get to bed and you and you're ready to sleep and stay asleep. Um, and so, like, so if you're waking up in the middle of the night and you have a hard time getting back to sleep as well, I wanted to mention this. It, it sounds crazy, but you want to make sure you're getting out of bed if you're having a hard time staying asleep. You don't want to stay in bed if you're having a hard time staying asleep because mm -hmm. your brain likes to associate things. So if you're awake in bed and it's, and it's a problem, like it's kind of consistent that you wake up in the middle of the night, your brain is going to start to associate your bed with wakefulness. And that's not what we want. So go ahead and get out of bed and then repeat something like some, something similar to your nighttime routine, you know, when you get out of bed. So keep the lights low, right? You don't want to like try to wake up, but keep the lights low, do some light reading, maybe some meditating. I find coloring to be super helpful and really relaxing. Um, so then when you're starting to feel sleepy again, you go back to bed. Now, this is not going to be something like if you're someone who has a hard time staying asleep, try this out, but it's not going to just be like an instant thing. You're going to want to be consistent with trying these things out over a period of time to allow your your brain to readjust how it associates sleep. But again, to also allow your circadian rhythms an, enough time to kind of shift as well. Um, so that'll be, that'll be most of it for staying asleep. Yeah. Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I, I really want to highlight what you just said, right. About this type of process takes 
time. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard or how many times I myself, right, have tried something for a day or two, been like, well, it didn't magically solve all my problems. It must not work. And then given up to seek out the next best thing. Everything that we've talked about up until now and everything that we'll talk about up until close, they take time. Just doing these things one night most likely isn't going to magically solve all of your sleep problems. I do quite enjoy the visual that I created in my head of Coach Rio, like laying, sitting in bed, doing coloring books to candlelight um, <laughs> with her sleep mask and earplugs on the bedside table next to her. Um, that is the visual that I was creating. I think. Oh yeah. And then I was going to call out the question in the chat, uh, but no, you know, please know that some of these things, you might start to feel the effects one weekend for some of you, it might take two to three weeks, right? It's like with anything new doing one workout, you're not going to immediately be shredded. Just like going to bed early one night, you're not going to immediately feel all the different amazing, incredible feelings. And, you know, taking a look at your habits during the day, like Coach Rio was saying, is going to show you how that could affect your experiences at night. So how much caffeine you're consuming during the day and what time you're eating the caffeine and also being mindful of caffeinated foods. So for example, a lot of chocolates have caffeine in them, right? Most sodas have caffeine in them. Have you guys tried the Olipop sodas yet? Just like show of hands. I just had my first one yesterday. Like I've seen all the TikTok, all the Instagram girlies are obsessed with Olipop. I can see why their branding is so on point. I was reading the cup that was like first ever pre and probiotic sodas. And it's got like nine grams of fiber, which I'd actually be very curious to look into the sources of them like nine grams of fiber. That's like one third of what the typical American gets in a daily basis in a can of soda. But what I didn't realize until I was halfway through drinking the can last night was that it was caffeinated. So be mindful of the beverages and foods that you're eating that have secret caffeine in them. And yes, look out for the fallacy of the nightcap alcoholic beverage. Oh, I take this to help me fall asleep at night. Okay, you might fall asleep, but again, if the quality of your sleep is decreased, you'll wake up feeling less well rested. And in the chat, we did have a popcorn question of Kindles with a backlight, if that counts as screen use. So they have some that have like the backlight that's really bright, um, in which case you might want to wear like the blue lock glasses or like Rio was saying, they make some without the black the back, like I keep wanting to say black light, but then I'm thinking of like, you know, your high school or your college dorm room with the black lights and the like hearts on the wall. <laughs> oh my God. It's so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> um, and all those different things. And so, you know, at this point we've talked about falling asleep. We've talked about staying asleep. I think the last thing for us to really cover is waking up and getting up in the morning. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and hit you guys right off the bat with the big daddy. And that is absolutely no snoozing guys. No, I know. Yikes. Um, okay. But hear me out. Listen. So snoozing is actually not giving you that few minutes of extra rest. Like you think. So remember your sleep cycles, right? So once your alarm goes off in the morning, that is the signal to your brain to start waking up and it starts to immediately increase those cortisol levels. 
and you don't feel immediately awake, right? Like, but it starts to happen as soon as that sleep interrupt happens. So if you snooze and go back to sleep, your body then switches back into beginning a new sleep cycle. And then your alarm goes off again and does what? It interrupts your sleep cycle. And we just learned interrupting sleep cycles is a big no-no, right? So now you're promoting your own sleep inertia, right? Which is what we're trying mm. to avoid as well. And so if you think about it, right? Like, do you really feel that much more rested after your nine minute snooze? Like, no, right? Cause that's why we snooze again and again and again, right? It's not working. So stop delaying the inevitable and just get up the first time and just allow your body time to, to wake up and to become alert, right? Very often you're not gonna feel like bright eyed and bushy tailed as soon as your alarm goes off, but no matter what, try to wake up at the time you need to wake up and avoid the snoozing. Um, and then, so the next thing that I wanna recommend to you that will help you with this actually is have a nice morning routine guys, right? And I don't mean like running out of bed and like hurrying, like panicking to get your kids ready for school and then spending 30 minutes trying to like figure out what you're gonna wear and like trying to pack your lunch really quick. Like, no, 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 no. That's not how you wanna wake up, right? So in the same way that you want to end your day with intention, you need to start it with such as well. And so if you start the day kind of already feeling out of control, that is kind of the theme that your day most likely will be, right? Feeling like you're just trying to keep up with the day and just get through the day, right? So wake up with your first alarm and give yourself some time to take a proper shower, right? Maybe do like an energizing face scrub, right? Make a coffee or make a tea, sit outside for a second, get some sun in your eyes, you know what I mean? Maybe read for 15, 20 minutes. Don't check your emails and social media, right? Check yourself instead. Sit down for a minute and set an intention for the day. Ask yourself how you're doing. How is your week going? How would you like your week to start going, right? Um, and just like I was mentioning, you know, when you go to bed, you need to simulate the nighttime sunset for your environment. Do the same for your morning. So don't have your house all dark, like open your blinds, right? Invest in a sunrise alarm clock if you need to, so you can get some artificial sun. So like for those of you who wake up and it's still dark, you can still wake up to some sort of light, right? Turn the lights on in your home, play some energizing music, even in the background while you get ready or while you cook breakfast, right? That can help you wake up. Just again, create a routine that promotes wakefulness. Um, and so again, start, start your day with some sort of intention. And I've talked to some of you guys about, um, something that will help this, help you just wake up in the first place and getting out of bed. It's the five second rule. I know coach Martina and coach Alana has definitely probably mentioned this to you guys. Um, but the five second rule is basically this understanding that it only takes your brain five seconds to start talking yourself out of doing what you know you need to do. And so it's a, it's a pattern interrupt that you engage in. So essentially when you're, alarm goes off and you had this intention to wake up at 6 a.m., you probably all of you guys can probably relate. You start like justifying hitting the snooze, right? Like, oh, I'll just wake up tomorrow at six or, oh, I'm still tired or, oh, it's too cold, right? You start, you start going into these reasons why you should hit the snooze and not just wake up in the first place. So the five second rule is you count backwards from five down to one, five, four, three, two, one. And then at the end, it's an action. You're telling yourself to get up and do this, right? So literally if I'm in bed and I'm like, the alarm is going off five, four, three, two, one, Rio, get out of bed. Like I will literally say that to myself and then I will actually get out of bed. The idea is for you to push yourself through the hard thing, right? If we can't push ourselves through the hard thing, then we will forever be hitting the snooze, right? And this starts to, this starts to get deeper than just sleep guys, right? I think you guys 
can tell, right? We, we want to get to that place to where we can push ourselves through the hard thing and then keep doing it. And so when it comes to waking up on time or not hitting the snooze, try it five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. Don't hit the snooze, set your phone in another room, right? Let it charge in the bathroom or something to where you have to force yourself to get up and get, get going. Anyway, I've even seen some alarms that like literally hop off your nightstand and you have to get out of bed to chase it, to turn it. It's the most ridiculous thing, but it's kind of, I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of genius, right? So like the rocket ship that shoots across your room. (laughs) whatever you have to do. Okay. It's all I say. So yeah, no, but seriously have a, have a morning routine in the same way you have an evening routine. And again, hold yourself accountable to push yourself to do the hard thing. And it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding when you're like, I got up at six today and I didn't have to hit this news, you know, and I got my day started. And so another thing too, is when you do this, notice how you feel, like notice how your day goes. You know what I mean? Like I got up at six today. I didn't hit my snooze. I got five more things done this morning than I normally would have. Right. Or whatever the case is, or I got a chance to go on that morning walk and my day was just so much better. Start to notice, um, pay attention to what you're noticing by waking up on time or not hitting that snooze or just allowing yourself to have a bit of a morning to yourself before you go and adult adult the rest of the day. Yeah. Yes. And your morning routine, everyone's is going to look different, right? Because sometimes we can think, oh, I don't have time for a morning routine. Cause you're thinking of influencer Susie Q who spends like three hours. Like, have you seen those? Like, it's like, come along to my five to nine with me before my nine to five. And it's literally a four hour morning routine. She's like, well, first I wake up and then I, I scroll my face and I read my affirmations in the mirror then I do my eye mask and, you know, journal about my life story for 30 minutes. Then I listen. Then I read two chapters of a book. Then I go to the gym for an hour and a half. Then I come back and I like wash my kitchen, you know, up and down. And they have these just like, I mean, I'm super happy for them and that won't be me. So think of what are just 15 minutes that you can dedicate to yourself in the morning before you start your day, because it can help you feel so much more organized, so much more in control and just so much more set and stable. And, you know, I know that we were saying minimizing coffee and caffeine over the course of the day, but, you know, having a morning ritual where you're just sipping and enjoying a cup of coffee or a glass of tea or, you know, whatever your beverage of choice is, that is so consistently the most popular morning routine that I hear on open coaches panel Q and a, we used to get this question all every single month. Like what are the coaches morning routines? And pretty much every single person said, I get up 30 minutes before I need to get up, make myself a warm, awesome comfort beverage. And I sit and I either journal or I meditate or I go outside. I get some sunshine. I just spend that 30 minutes checking on myself before checking social media, checking your email. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It's Alana and I both wrote it in the chat at the exact same time. Um, don't check your emails or check your social media, check yourself first, because that is the most important thing that you can do when you start off your day. And you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So this five second rule, this doesn't just apply to your morning alarm. This could apply to putting on your workout clothes, which you know is going to get you to go to the gym, or this could apply to taking all the food out of your fridge to start your meal prep, right? Or it applies to just heating up the meals that you've already prepared and created for yourself. There's so many different ways in which you can use this 
And just finding ways to make the habit of sleep, going to bed at a certain time and waking up at a certain time as easy as possible. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I find in the winter, that's when it's the hardest for me to get out of bed because it's cold, right? And who wants to get out of like your nice, warm, cozy bed and blankets when it's freezing? Because like, I'm not going to run blast the heat all night long. I'm sleeping, you know? Um, and something that you can do or consider doing is like find a way to heat your room five minutes before you need to get up. So if you have a space heater or something, what I did, I lived in this one apartment where I literally had a space heater that I put on a timed, it was like a timer. It was an outlet timer that I bought on Amazon that you plug the space heater in and you just say, turn on it. 6am or 7am or whatever time. So the space heater would turn on five minutes before I needed to wake up. So I woke up to a warm room. Now what I did was in the house that I recently moved into, I got like a, this house has heat. So I got a Google nest also off of Amazon and it's like a smart thermostat, but you plug it into like any thermostat, right? You plug it in, you mount it on the wall. And now I can just tell it, turn the heat on at 6 30 AM, it starts running the heat. I can get up to a nice warm house. I don't have to like worry about that. So there's these different things that you can do to kind of just set yourself up for success based off of you, right? For me, getting out of bed to a nice warm room, that's very motivating for some of you. You're like, that sounds fucking terrible. I can't believe that Jen does that. She's a crazy person. That's fine. It's going to be different (laughs) for everyone. And so Rio, as we close out Today, are there any final sentiments as we wrap up this amazing podcast and conversation about sleep? Yeah, um, just like kind of what you've already mentioned, this is not something you have to go and revamp your whole sleep-wake routine, right? You can commit to only waking up 15 minutes earlier. You can even commit to only doing it two days a week starting out, right? Like Monday and Wednesday, that's going to be my day for my new sleep-wake routine. I'm going to try it out, see how I like it, make adjustments, et cetera, right? Notice what you like, notice what you don't like, and just over time, you improve it. The overarching thing, um, I guess, key to understand as, as far as improving Improving your sleep. The whole point of all of this is really just to create some sort of sleep regularity. So like ideally going to bed and waking up at the same time every day, no matter if it's a weekday or a weekend, whether you have something going on or not, it's the most optimal, you know, where your brain is constantly looking for ways to, to anchor um, behaviors and to, and to make your life easier. And, and a lot of habits on an move it from a conscious effort to an unconscious effort. And so your brain thrives off of regularity. It thrives off of regular sleep, wake times. It thrives off of consistency in your actions. And so, you know, I know most of us have our alarms to wake up to. And also when it comes to getting to bed, have a go to bed alarm, like have a, have a bedtime guys. I know for all adults, but have like a hardcore, like this is my bedtime and I need to be in bed by this time. So whatever I have to do, let me do that. And then I'm going to set an awake time, no matter what I have going on. And so it, and the more you practice it, the more naturally you will also be waking up at those times. Like guys, I cannot sleep in on the weekends to save my life. I say it every weekend and I wake up at the same time and it's because, but it's because I'm well rested. You know what I mean? The idea of sleeping in is great, but the reality is I don't need it because I have worked hard at creating sleep regularity of waking up and going to bed at the same time. It doesn't matter what I have going on. And if I don't have something going on and I still wake up at six for me, that's great. That's more time to myself. That's more time that I get to do what I want, et cetera. Right. So anyways, take your time with this, 
try to implement it over a period of time, ask your coach for help, you know, and support, let them know like what your one to two goals are and what you want to try to start implementing and just like make it a nice thing. Don't turn it into a chore. Sleep should be something enjoyable and waking up in the morning should be something enjoyable as well. You should be ready to start your day. Absolutely amazing. You know, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, sleep is something that consumes 33% of your time and 33% of your life. And going to sleep and waking up is something that you do every single day. So why not make it something that you can look forward to and make it a process that you enjoy instead of something that you dread, right? None of us are surprised when the end of the day comes and it's time to go to bed. And none of us should be surprised when that morning alarm goes off and it's time to get up. So the best thing that you can do is make it as fun and enjoyable as process as possible. So coach Rio, I want to thank you and your, um, your guest Izzy for joining us, um, today and just sharing so much knowledge and expertise around sleep. I know I have so many wonderful, amazing notes from our talk today, and I truly hope that everyone else deeply, deeply enjoyed that. So guys, if you enjoyed this, send Rio some love, send her a message on Slack, send her a shout out. Um, we'll be sharing this to the podcast as well. So you can re-listen over and over and over again. And I appreciate you ladies. Hope you have the most amazing, incredible rest of your week. And always, always, always remember squad that the best whoop, is yet to come. I'll see you ladies next week. Bye.